I want you to go with me to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. The world we live in is very much a place where everyone is busy hiding from the truth. For example, our American culture especially could be characterized by our pursuit of youth. I want to be younger, don't you? I want to look younger. I want to feel younger, don't you? <laughs> that, that The world we live in, especially our American culture, is so much functions around that pursuit. It's no wonder the latest diet and fitness books are always among the best sellers. I wonder if you've ever noticed they're also among the, the first books to show up at yard sales and garage sales, too. <laughs> right beside exercise bikes and treadmills, right? Oh, I know the problems, right? We, we're trying hard to hide from the truth that we are all getting older, right? Trying hard not to look our age. Also, very much a part of our culture is the myth that we can have everything we want. We teach our children that they should have it better than we did. We pamper them at every turn, sometimes literally and sometimes figuratively. <laughs> Pampers when they're babies and pampering them when they're older. We do our best to give them everything they want, and we help them think that they should get everything they want. And we tell ourselves the same lie while we go deeper into debt by the day, trying hard to believe we too can have it all. Too slowly, we discover that we're less satisfied than before we got that shiny new thing. There's another, another truth the world is busy hiding from, and, and doing so is even more dangerous our culture is busy hiding from the truth that we can't get away with living in opposition to God. The world around us preaches tolerance for all beliefs, tolerance for all opinions, tolerance for all ways of life, declaring one should be able to live any way he or she wants. While at the same time, Ironically, refusing to admit they are themselves intolerant toward those who hold to the biblical standard. And that is not a new problem. It is, in fact, an old problem. And we see it plainly in the text before us. I want you to go to verse 28, John chapter 18 and verse 28, and follow along as I read through verse 38. John 18 and verse 28, Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not Doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, 
It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. In verse 33, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation, the chief priests, have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told him, I find no guilt in him. As we arrive at our text, beginning in verse 28, we find the here are the Jewish authorities, and they're taking Jesus from the house of Caiaphas. And though we saw Jesus sent to Caiaphas at the close of our passage last time, John didn't record for us what took place there, or what we learned from Matthew's gospel, that the chief priests and the whole council had met at Caiaphas' house during the night, and they had agreed that Jesus should die. Of course, this was not carried out according to proper procedure. It was inappropriate for them to have held a trial at night. And so they gathered again after daylight to give a formal judgment, all the while hiding from the truth. What truth were they hiding from? Look again at verse 28. In verse 28 it says, Then they led Jesus from the house of of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters, it was early morning, they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. Get this. They're taking Jesus to the governor's headquarters. They're taking him to Pilate a Gentile. But as they arrived at Pilate's headquarters, they would not enter. They stayed outside in the courtyard because here their concern about remaining ceremonially clean. You see, the Jews believed that even entering a Gentile's place of dwelling would bring on themselves ceremonial defilement since they believed Gentiles didn't take proper precautions with the things that they ate. They didn't guarantee kosher or proper food or the proper handling of things like corpses. You see, the Jews were very particular about these kinds of things so that they would remain ceremonially clean for the Passover celebration. 
And John points it out to us because of the irony of it all. How interesting that while holding to the letter of the law, they are ready to pronounce a judgment of death on the very one their Passover festival points to. They're preparing to take the life of the Lamb of God who had come to be the sacrifice for sinners while at the same time they're trying hard to keep their hands clean so that they would not be kept from celebrating the Passover. It would be funny if it weren't so sad. John MacArthur says about this, illustrative of the twisted devotion of religious legalists, the Jewish leaders expected to please God through their legalism expressed in physical separation from a Gentile house, while at the same time illegally murdering God's son. They fastidiously avoided any superficial ceremonial defilement, but cared nothing about the profound moral defilement they incurred from rejecting and condemning the Holy Son of God to death. And D.A. Carson notes, the Jews take elaborate precautions to avoid ritual contamination in order to eat the Passover. At the very same time, they are busy manipulating the judicial system to secure the death of him who alone is the true Passover. They're hiding from the truth. And we can see it also when Pilate comes out to them in the courtyard. Look at verses 29 and 30 again. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. You see, the trouble is, they couldn't bring the real reason for wanting Jesus dead before Pilate. They couldn't answer him honestly, or they risked him sending them away. You see, they had accused Jesus of blasphemy. That's a religious charge. And they couldn't bring that charge to Pilate, since that was a religious charge, and he would just tell them that it was none of his concern. You see, they were hoping that he would simply trust them. Trust us, obviously, they argued. It's a serious charge of great evil. Otherwise, why would we be bothering you? You see, the trouble is that what Pilate is asking them would lead them to a full-blown trial, and they're hoping to have Jesus killed quickly and quietly. Do away with him without causing a stir. They couldn't afford a full-blown trial. They couldn't tell him the truth that they wanted Jesus dead because they considered his claim of being God incarnate to be blasphemy. And so they finally reveal their intentions after Pilate's statement seen here in verse 31. In verse 31, Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word, says verse 32, that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. 
You see, the Jews could not make a pronouncement of death. They could not have Jesus crucified. Only a Roman court could do that. Now, there there were people who had been stoned to death by Jews for, for blasphemy, but that was often the result of mob violence. Interestingly, John points out in verse 32 that, that their desire to have Pilate pronounce a death sentence on Jesus would, would result in his crucifixion, which would also, interestingly, be a fulfillment of prophecy. And also a fulfillment of prophecy was that he was being hauled by Jews before a Gentile court, fulfilling his own prophetic statement to his disciples, which we hear in Mark chapter 10, in verses 33 and 34, where it says, The Son of Man will, Jesus says this, The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. Prophecy fulfilled hauled before a Gentile court by Jews. It's also likely that the Jews want Jesus crucified specifically because according to Mosaic law, such a death was proof of God's curse. If we can get him on a cross, it'll be proof that God has condemned him himself. And so there it is. They want Jesus put to death. And yet they still haven't leveled a charge at him. Pilate sees this, they, he needs a charge. Little did they know that the very type of death that they hoped would expose Jesus as a liar would actually be the very means by which God would bring justification by faith alone apart from the law. Think of it. Just as we hear in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written... Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. You see, God's intention was that His Son go to Calvary, go to the cross, shed His blood, give His life, that sinners might be saved, that sinners might be washed clean, forgiven their sins. Of course, Jesus was innocent. And the Jews inadvertently have shown that very clearly because they still can't bring a charge. They're unable to charge him other than vaguely calling him an evildoer. Trust us, Pilate. Just take our word for it. The Jews are still hiding from the truth. But they're not alone, as we will soon see. At this point, Pilate is likely frustrated with the Jews. He's had so many run-ins with them in the past, he's afraid he may lose his job or worse. If he can't resolve this issue, so, verse 33, Pilate, it says, entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now, in Luke's account, we find out what brought this question on. Luke 23 and verse 2 says that they spoke this way, and they began to accuse him, saying, This is the Jews speaking. We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And so Pilate goes back inside to Jesus and 
confronts him. Are you the king of the Jews? What do you have to say for yourself? You see, if the Jews could make it sound like Jesus was trying to overthrow Roman rule and authority, then this Roman judge would have to have him sentenced to death, and the result would be crucifixion. And Pilate is in effect, as he speaks to Jesus here, he's asking Jesus, hey, declare yourself guilty or innocent. Are you guilty or are you not guilty? Note his response. Note Jesus' response in verse 34. Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord? Now Jesus is the one asking the questions. Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? You understand here that Jesus will never hesitate to reveal truth to a real seeker of truth? Jesus is all about revealing truth. So Jesus inquires of Pilate why he is asking. Why do you ask the question? And what Jesus is saying is, do you really want to know the truth? Are you really searching for truth? Or are you simply trying to find a reason to judge me? Jesus also wants to know what he means. Are you asking if I'm trying to overthrow Roman authority, or are you asking if I'm the promised Messiah? The answer to the first question is no. The answer to the second question is yes. Which is it? Well, Pilate's answer reveals where his heart really is, that he is not a seeker of truth. He only wants to be done with this problem. In frustration, look at verse 35, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have de delivered you over to me. What have you done? Tell me what you've done. Just tell me what you've done. Tell me what they're accusing you of. Let's be done with this. You see, Pilate could care less about who Jesus is as long as he's not trying to overthrow Roman authority. So again, Pilate is back to asking Jesus, Guilty or not guilty? Which is it? But Jesus reveals more about himself and his kingdom. Look at verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Of course, Jesus has, has not come to be a political power. Jesus makes that clear. He gives Pilate the answer Pilate needs to hear. If Pilate would believe the truth, he would be saved. Jesus has not come to overthrow an earthly kingdom. He has come to overthrow the forces of darkness that rule in this world. And he's come to do so with the light of truth. And so Jesus says, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting. They'd be trying to gain my freedom that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. See, my kingdom is not of this world. And that's where Jesus points in, in answer to the next question from Pilate in verse 37. Look at verse 37 again. Then Pilate said to him, so you are, you are a king. You are a king? Is that what you're saying? 
you have a kingdom, you're, you're talking about a kingdom, then you must be a king. And Jesus answers, verse 37, you say that I'm a king. And again, Jesus is concerned about, here's, here's Jesus giving Pilate the truth, the truth in which he must believe to be saved if he has ears to hear, right? You say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. The truth. The truth the world is running from, hiding from. Jesus had come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus had come in human flesh to reveal God to mankind as never before. Jesus revealed truth. Jesus spoke truth. And in so doing, He revealed God to believing hearts and minds. You see, all who believe in Christ are given this gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life by which all who believe are made a part of His eternal kingdom. But sadly, the world is more often than not hiding from that glorious, life-giving truth. But Jesus says in verse 37 that everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Meaning that anyone who truly wanted the truth would hear his words with faith, believing faith and trusting in him. They would know that his words were true. You want to know the truth, then you will listen to my words and you will know that I speak the truth. You see, a miracle is worked by God in something that's far beyond our understanding, I think, when, when someone says, I want to know the truth and, and truly seeks to believe, God opens their understanding, gives them light. There's an opportunity here for Pilate to have light, the light of truth, to have it dawn on his darkened heart. Jesus has made it clear, but Pilate is also hiding from the truth. Look at what Pilate says in verse 38. What is truth? That's a cynical reply. Because he's really not interested in Jesus' answer because right after this it says, and, and, he, and after he said this, he went back outside of the Jews and told them, I, ha I find no guilt in him. He, he wasn't interested in sticking around for an answer. It was a cynical reply. What is truth? In other words, who says who says what's true is true? Who says what you say is true? Who says what I say is true? Pilate didn't want anything to do with the truth at this point. He'd become cynical about truth. He'd seen the truth twisted and misused so many times. He was done seeking truth. You know, there are people in this world who really don't care to know the truth. They just want to live the way they want to live. Don't tell me about God. Don't tell me about the Bible. How dare you suggest that I'm supposed to live according to by God's standard? People in our passage, they're hiding from the truth. 
They refused to believe the truth when it was plainly shown to them. They had, I mean, think of this. They had Jesus. They had the King of Kings and Lord of Lords standing right in front of them. And yet they refused to believe the truth. Jesus, the King of Kings, brings light and truth. It was his mission to be a witness to the truth. And if we're not careful, if we aren't careful, we could be just like these Jews who appeared to have religion but had no faith. And with no faith, their religion was dead. And they were dead in their sins. And if we're not careful, we could be like Pilate, just going through the motions, refusing to care about the truth. Refusing to believe in the light of life, which is Christ. Either way, beware simply keeping up appearances. They were both, both groups, Pilate and the Jews, just keeping up appearances. That's a dangerous place to live. You know, it's actually pretty easy to keep up appearances. Appearing to hold to God's standard when in fact we're hiding from God's truth. God has been so gracious to give us His truth and His word. He has been so gracious to make it plain. There has never been a day in the history of the world when God's word has been more accessible and the truth has been easier to find. God has been gracious to us to give us His truth. How dare we merely keep up appearances? Refusing to allow God's truth to change our hearts, to change our minds. You see, God's desire is that with His Word, at work in our hearts, in the lives of those who have put their trust in Him, who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, whom He has saved, who He has washed clean, in whom He has put His Spirit, God's desire is that by the power of His words, the truth, the living Word of God, the living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, Word of God, God's desire is that He change our hearts and minds from the darkness in which we once lived to the light of truth which dawns through the, the light of Jesus Christ. We dare not refuse to allow the truth of God's Word to change us. We ought not fear change. I know we don't like change. I don't like change. <laughs> I like things the, the way they've always been. I was thinking today about what it's like to have your kids grow up. Right? And they begin to trickle out of the household, right? And when you've got eight, you're just hoping it doesn't happen very fast because if it happens too all of a sudden, it's a little overwhelming. 
we're just experiencing a little bit of it this week. We're just doing a practice run this week. I've only got three kids at home this week, so we're like, man, it's quiet. We can hear the crickets for a change. You know? I don't like change. But you know what? God loves change. God wants to change your heart. God wants to morph you from the sinner that you were before Christ to the saint He desires you to be as you become more like His Son. Living in this world, but not of this world. Not just keeping up appearances, but living the truth. You see, God intends for His truth to change our hearts and minds and to make us instruments in our Savior's hands for His glorious purposes. For His glorious and glorious and good purposes and for our good. But yet if we're like the Jews, if we're like Pilate, What a deadly place to live. Thinking you have things under control when in truth you're out of control. Thinking you can run your life your own way when in fact you're running your life into the ground without Christ. Oh, oh, beloved people of God, believe in God's Word. Read God's Word. Trust God's Word. Obey God's Word. Don't be guilty of merely keeping up appearances all the while, hiding from the truth.